This is the Ezra Podcast. This is the Boxing Edition episode. We're going to be talking about Laywood versus Michael Cullen. But first, let's talk about some, you know, just a little bit quick hits. ESPN ranking, you got Catterall. They have them over Josh Taylor now at 140, which is completely ridiculous. And I understand I'm not a fan of this thinking, right? I'm not a fan of when someone gets robbed and, you know, we move on past it, right? And nothing really ever changes. But we can't rewrite history, right? We just can't. And if we lose the legitimacy of, you know, what the actual event happened and what the actual result is, the sport will be, you know, in shambles. More than it already kind of, you know, is as far as when it comes to the belts and the decisions and all those things. I think that if you, you know, let a major thing like ESPN, who is really, you know, as far as riders, as far as covering the sport of boxing, doesn't really care, right? Now they're going to do something reckless like that where they just kind of determine who wins or loses fights. I think that's a horrible decision. I'm Not that it's comparable, but if you see that um, Ridley in the NFL, who bet only 1500 on an NFL game, that happened to be hit on, on his team, whether it was against or for his team, they're going to suspend him for indefinitely, for indefinitely for a year. And they're going to let him try to get reinstated in the offseason. Why are they doing that? Because the legitimacy of the game and the legitimacy of what you're seeing is the most important thing to a sport. And if you what you're seeing, you no longer think is um, is fair. You no longer think is um, not fixed, right? Then you will lose interest in the sport. You will lose interest in, you know, the, the things won't matter anymore. And that's what the NFL does not need. They're going to do everything in, the, again, in their power to go against anything like that happening. And the ESPN doing this, now I know that's not like 100% the same comparison, but ESPN doing this kind of robs the legitimacy of what you're watching, right? And now the, the uh, a network can make up their own rules, right, and decide who wins these events. It's not right. I get what they're going for. I get what they're trying to do. But they need to be just a person that covers the sport. Now, write an opinion piece on what you thought one. Write, um, you know, put it out there. Get Catterall interviews. Get him all those things. But to say, oh, you know, actually he's above this guy because we felt like he won the fight. No, that's not what happened. You, you, you rankings are off the actual result. Now, you can move him up off of, you know, a competitive fight with a really good guy. I'm fine with that. But he's not going to be above the guy that just beat him. And to be honest with you... And I, I'm not the only one that thinks this. I think there's a, a few, you know, people that think this. I, this not was a close fight. I'm okay with Josh Taylor winning that fight. Okay, so I think we're really overdoing it on a fight that really wasn't that bad of a decision. And that's the thing. It's funny that it's this fight that's going to cause, like, this kind of commotion. Because it wasn't even the worst, the close to the worst decision I've seen, like, in the past year. Not even close. We got a fight announcement with the Tank versus Roley, which... I don't know what that does for Javante uh, Tank Davis. I really don't. I, I think it's it's going backwards for sure. But it's um, I'm not sure why Joe Time is willing to stick their neck out for Rolly Romero, especially after you know the the you know the files charged uh the charges filed on him. And I understand that you know oh well nothing you know no convictions or none of that. Why would we uh, halt his career if he doesn't have a you know even anything pending? Right? Why why would we halt his career? And, you know, innocent until proven guilty. And I, I get that. But I think it's more, and I'm not saying, like, he can't fight because of that. But what I'm saying is the way he handles it, right, and the way he handles himself, 
I'm just surprised Shelton's willing to stick their neck out for him. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be able to do this or they should block him from doing all this. No, I don't think that. But I do think that Showtime, a network, right, that will fire actors left and right if they have anything that could be with, like, cancel culture or, you know, anything offensive. They're going to keep this guy in and they're going to allow him to speak and most likely have to comment on the situation that he was involved in. I just, it's, I find it like a, just a really no need, honestly, because he's not a star. Like, he's not really selling this pay-per-view. It's going to be Tank selling the pay-per-view. And I don't know if, would you need his craziness to sell a pay-per-view? Would you need, like, oh, what is he going to do in the ring type of thing? I just don't think that's really a big selling point. So I'm just really surprised that they went this direction. And I really don't even care about the fight. To be honest with you, the fight of it is not good. You know, uh, Tank is a superior fighter to Rolly. And to say that, oh, well, Rolly's awkwardness and power is going to be a problem. It's like, no, it's not. He's I've seen him outbox before about Fernandez. Um, was it Fernandez? It was something like that. It was, uh, figure, I don't remember his name. He got outboxed before, right? And then Comey goes and destroys that guy that outboxed him. So it's not like you know, I like I haven't seen it. I've seen it now. If you're saying like, oh, look what he did to the other guys, there was little improvements before he's coming to Tank. There was, but it wasn't anything that was going to be enough to cover what you know, cover the gap between him and Tank and the skill was. It just wasn't there. So I just think this fight, as far as like pushing Tank along, right? This fight really don't make any sense to me. I think that um, they're running out of ideas to match Tank in. I keep saying Keith Thurman makes the most sense to me. You know, I think that that makes sense. I, I, I could explain why with Sal. I think that people would uh, probably favor Thurman in just because of size alone, right? But it'd definitely be close by lines. Like, that fight is just the fight to push Tank over to superstardom. I don't think this fight pushes Tank to superstardom. I don't know what fight after this at this weight class that, you know, the options that are in front of him We'll push him superstar. I'm guessing they want Ryan Garcia. Maybe this is the fight before Ryan Garcia stay busy and Ryan Garcia wins the next one. I don't know. Right? Who knows? But I don't care for this matchup. And if people are going to criticize Canelo for his matchups, if people can criticize uh, Crawford or any of the guys, right, that they get the criticism for their matchups, uh, Charlos, Tank is very well deserving, and when it comes to this matchup, and you know, I understand that Isak Cruz it was a better fight than people thought it was going to be. Especially, you know, it was a little bit better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought he, I thought he'd be able to smoke Isak Cruz, and I, to me, I thought he won pretty comfortably. But I'm still not going to give him credit. Like, oh, that was a great matchup. Like, no, the pre-fight grade is a pre-fight grade. I'm not going to adjust it just because something else happened, right? A result was different, or it was a little more competitive. No, the pre-fight grade is a pre-fight grade. That's how you grow the sport. Is what pre fight grades that's what the ufc does right ufc puts jorge masvidal versus nate diaz they don't it, it is the, very rarely right do you get more eyeballs because the fight was actually good no it's what do people feel going into the fight what's the buzz the last two matchups have not been a lot of buzz and i understand that the love other one was like a replacement fight but still same thing right i don't see what really brings to the table that we you that showtime's willing to take this chance with him uh, you know, just behind a mic. I don't get it. Let's get to the fights this weekend. We got Laywood versus Michael Conlon. Um, Michael Conlon, who is 30 years old, kind of caught me by surprise a little bit that he's 30 years old already. Uh, you know, in his really his first like major step up fight. And Laywood, who got a big upset versus Zukan uh, last time out and showed, uh, you know, some new elements to his game that. You know, he, he, I guess he added when he was with trainer Ben Davison, who is a controversial figure in boxing right now because 
a lot of people want to say he's not a good trainer, but he happens to be around a lot of good fighters. But people that are questioning, you know, some of the performances that he's that those fighters have had under his watch, right? But there's successes. I mean, and Laywood being, you know, probably one of the bigger examples for with the upset over Zucan. So now we're going to see Ben Davis again, who you know is coming off the bad Josh Taylor performance. Um, see what he can cook up for this fight. The thing that I'm noticing is, you know, Laywood, who now with Ben Davis was sitting a little bit more in his power, especially in the Zucan fight. He wasn't just moving around so much, and he was looking to, um, you know, really put an impact with his punches, right? With sitting down on his punches, Michael Conlon uh, is not gonna, be, you know, be there for you to sit down on your punches. He's gonna look to move. He's gonna look to backstep. He's defensively minded the whole time, the whole fight. That's his whole game. He's defensively minded. He's a southpaw. He's gonna look to jab you. He can switch in there, but he's mostly uh, gonna stay southpaw. He's gonna mostly look to move back. He's gonna mostly look to be defensively aware. And, you know, counter you, jab you, score when he can, but make sure that he's not getting any big offense, right? Not, no one's catching any big offense on him. And Laywood, with this new style, was like, I'm willing to sit. I'm a little more flat-footed. I'm willing to stand in the middle of the ring and pick my shots and let you walk into, you know, my right hand, which he is right-hand heavy in his offense, right? He goes right-hand to the body, right-hand to the head. He, he you know... He dips in, looking like he's a good body, and loops it up to your head. So he, he's, he, you know, as far as like someone when he fought Zukan, Zukan came to him, so he didn't really have to chase him or create any openings for himself or get on the inside. I'm interested when when uh, Colin is moving around, right, moving around the ring. Laywood's gonna have to go get him, and with that style that we saw, it worked against Zukan because he Zukan's coming to him. You know, he didn't have to go and find him. Now he's going to go fight Colin. I think that that might be a problem. Because what we saw, and remember too, that that was a an upset. I I didn't see Laywood winning that fight. I don't think a lot of people, anyone, really saw Laywood winning that fight. And that could be an outlier, right, for his career. It could, it could not be like you know, the rule could be an outlier, and that's what we have to see too. It's like was is that was that performance just kind of like you know the perfect match made in heaven for him to shine with his new style? And with a guy like Cologne, is he gonna look like he just can't find a shot? And does this Michael Colon, is he, Colon, is uh, Conlin, Conlin, I'm, I'm making him, you know, some kind of uh, Spanish or something, but uh, Michael Conlin, is this like the perfect style uh, for him to get his big fight right and get his championship opportunity, this is perfect style for him, is this is a match made in heaven for him, where he's uh, not going to be there sitting in the middle of the ring, not going to let uh, Laywood set up his right hand, and move around and kind of let Laywood kind of stumble around towards him. So this is a very interesting matchup. I think it's a very interesting fight. I think it would be a very competitive fight. But I think that Colin's style of just moving around the ring is going to give Laywood a lot of problems here. And it's going to be interesting to see what adjustments he makes to get Colin right trapped against the rope, cut him off, and be able to get that power off. Because a lot of things is measuring up. That's what he does, a lot of measuring up, a lot of staring, and then picking a shot from that point. Colin's not going to let you do that. He's going to constantly be on the back foot, looking to move, looking to jab, and looking to counter. This might be a bit the, you know, this could be Colin's biggest win if he wins this fight. And Laywood wins as he's going to continue the biggest run of his career if he could win this fight. Uh, rumors that the, you know, that the winner could face uh, Leo Santa Cruz. I don't expect that. 
But there are plenty of options with as far as Josh Warrington, Mauricio Lara. There are plenty of options. Now, remember, uh, Colin is with MTK, but he's also with top rank, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, if he wins this fight and goes over there, I'm, I'm sure they can make the fights that they want to make with the uh, match room. I don't think that'll be hard to do, but just, you know, he's able to take the he's able to take the belt and go to uh, top rank and then they'll pick, you know, his path from there. But I think there's plenty of interesting fights here. I just think the Conlin is kind of just the bad matchup for Laywood, especially with the style that he's going to want to do. It's the style that he has success with. And I'm going to take Conlin to win a decision in this fight. I think that his boxing is going to, uh, you know, it's a lot better than, kind of Conlin's a lot, like, outperforming, like, a lot with than anyone really expected from him. And if you really watch his style, it's it's not bad. He, he does some good stuff. Now, he doesn't have any power. He's not going to, a threat to, you know, he really don't have any power. Uh, he's not no threat to like you know put to me put Laywood asleep or anything like that. He also doesn't commit to his uh, left hand, so his foot like stays back and he stays sideways. But you know he does that for a reason. He does that because he's a defensive minded fighter and he likes to move and likes to be able to get out and keeps his feet wide so he can always bounce out and bounce in when he wants. I, like I said, I'm take Colin a decision in this fight and uh, the biggest win of his career. And the um, co-main event, there's not a lot of fights this weekend. Like, you know, there's only really one boxing fight, uh, one UFC fight this weekend. So, on the co-main event, right, the fight I covered is uh, Gary Coley versus Miguel Vasquez. And if you're wondering, you know, like, Miguel Vasquez, that Miguel Vasquez, the one that's been fighting since I was three years old, that Miguel Vasquez, that's the Miguel Vasquez I am talking about. And if you're in your mind just thinking of Miguel Vasquez and thinking, uh, how old is Miguel Vasquez, right? Like, just guess in your mind. Don't look it up. Just guess, right? And if you said 45 years old, you're only off by 10 years because he's only 35, and that's stunning to me, right? It's stunning to me that Miguel Vasquez is only 35 years old because I could have swore that I was in diapers watching him uh, box awkwardly around the ring. But he's fighting a guy that I just, Gary Cole, me studying for this podcast was the first time I've ever seen him, but I think we might have something special here. I think we might have something interesting here, right, with Gary Coley. Gary Coley is very tall for the weight class. He's very long. He's good speed. He's good combinations. He's very slick, good at spacing, defensively aware. He's loose, right? He's got some rhythm to him. I think this is a, a very interesting fighter, and that is one that I'm going to be very curious how he looks in this performance. Now, I think this is a match made in heaven for him with Miguel Vasquez, who's not the Miguel Vasquez that at his best. Definitely doesn't have the legs he used to have, right? Where he could, you know, whether they looked a little awkward or whatever, were effective. And then he could come in and, you know, hit you a combo, hold you, and then move, be able to move around the ring and be wiry, be long, be springy. With Gary Coley, it's just like with his length, the um, how he uses his reach, how defensively aware he is, how good he is with distance. I think McAlvesque is just going to stumble in into shots in this fight. I don't think Gary Coley has, you know, like the greatest power in the world, but I think he has some pop from what I'm seeing. And I think that Miguel Vasquez, you know, is not the kind of guy that I think to, you know, just settle and being on the outside and getting jabbed out to a a decision loss. I think he will take some chances. I think he's going to walk into some big shots trying to take those chances against a Gary Coley. I'm very excited to watch Gary Coley fight. I think that um, from what I'm just seeing, I, I think that he could be, you know, he just has a look to me of something that could be special. I'm going to pick him to get a stoppage in this fight. And like I said, he doesn't have the most power. So I would say that it's going to wear down Miguel Vasquez. It's going to take Miguel Vasquez stumbling in a few times to get caught. I'm going to take uh, Coley by TKO but uh, in the 10th round. And just watch him. 
watch, see if you see what I'm seeing, right? You know, I just saw a couple of fights today and I was like, wow, caught my eye. Looked interesting. Wasn't uh, just stiff. Wasn't just, you know, like robotic. No, he's loose. Good combinations. Be able to fight kind of multiple ranges. And uh, just how long and tall he is and how slick he is as a boxer. I think it's very interesting. So let's see how that plays out. Like I said, it's not the busiest weekend for fights. You know, sometimes we need a break like that. You know, just focus on the fight we have here. I think Colin versus uh, Wood is a very interesting fight. I think that people probably have very little interest in it, especially here in the States. But I think that if you tune in, it's going to be a, you know, thinking man's fight. It's going to be interesting to see how Lay Wood is going to make up that ground that uh, Colin is going to look to have, right? Because the space he's going to look to have the, to give him a breather, be able to box and feel his comfort. Thank you guys for listening. Please like, subscribe, uh, review, all those good things. Write a comment. Give me some questions. Uh, this has been the Ezra Podcast.